Welcome to the podcast of the fabulous Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Michael Gordon, and I'm proud to serve as the 95th president of the greatest Rotary Club in the world. Our club serves our local and international community through a variety of projects, but our main focus is on youth literacy. If you're ever in town for either business or pleasure, we invite you to join us at one of our weekly lunches. More information about meeting time and location can be found at lasvegasrotary.com. Now, sit back and enjoy this week's speaker. Thank you, President Michael. It's uh, really an honor to introduce uh, Danny Russell. I'm going to share a couple of uh, brief personal observations. If Dan, you can read his bio in the, in the wheel. Uh, you can also talk with him personally. He's got uh, quite a history. Uh, Danny uh, is here to speak with us. He brought his entourage, Jane, his wife, and a good friend, Barbara Kalb, and Larry Morris are three of his entourage. He's got a much larger entourage, if you understand who Danny is. I met Danny about 28 years ago, um, a long time, it seems, uh, during the formative years of Central Christian Church, when it was just a small congregation meeting on the east side of town in two small buildings on Mojave. If you know the history of the church, it has really grown significantly over the years. During Dan's tenure at Central, and for many years, he led a very successful Boy Scout troop, enriching the lives of countless young men. One of Dan's greatest accomplishments, however, was starting the Zion Boot Camp, which is, meets in Springdale, Utah. It's a yearly Christian men's retreat, and I think, I think Danny, we're in our seventh or eighth year, something like that. It's quite an experience if uh, you've never been to one. As you can read in the wheel, his bio... After listening to his presentation today, you should realize that his efforts to rescue and help men and women and children living in difficult situations extends around the world. What a privilege. Dan loves sharing what is important in his life, primarily his Christian faith and love for his family. On a sad note, Dan's mother, Mary Bell, passed into eternity last Saturday afternoon. She is missed by the entire Russell family. In conclusion, Dan is a successful businessman, a husband, a father, and a community leader, yet humble enough to muck out the horse stables at his home in the south part of the valley. What a guy. <laughs> I'm proud to call Dan a personal friend, a rotary friend, and a brother in Jesus Christ. Dan Russell. Thank you, Ted. Yeah, we lost a uh, dear friend, uh, Dave Wells. I was real close to Dave, and uh, his assistant, Helen, had called me, and, and we reminisced about Dave Wells. Uh, um, and all the conversations I had with him, and what a prince of a guy, and uh, we'll really uh, miss him and be praying for his family, and especially his son, D.C., who's, uh, who uh, took care of his dad in the later years. I know that's like, because um, um, we took care of our mom. My older brothers and myself took care of our mom, and um, it was a real blessing uh, to spend a lot of time with her, and um, she's... Uh, she was born uh, when this club formed um, 95 years ago, and uh, she uh, 
I talked to the coroner, and the coroner said, your mom, was, she, uh, her, heart, she, uh, her heart slowed down and then stopped. She died in her home on her favorite couch and uh, went to be with the Lord, and what a perfect way to go. So uh, anyway, we're going to have her, her um, funeral next week, but uh, she was a wonderful, wonderful mother. Um, yeah, in the presentation, I'll be referencing uh, my dear wife, uh, wife of my youth, uh, <laughs> um, going on 38 years, and uh, yeah, so we give us two boys, and uh, you know, we have a couple granddaughters, and yeah, and she's supported me in all these things that we're going to be talking about. She's always been um, the strength behind me, and I'm so grateful for her. Um, and we have Barbara Kalb that I'll be uh, uh, introducing a little bit more during the program, and uh, my dear friend Larry Morse, that's, who's over here, who, uh, who I'll also be uh, referencing. So I uh, hope this um, I hope this presentation encourages you. It's a little uh, um, off the beaten path, a little unique, but uh, anyway, I was uh, grateful that uh, Michael um, was. Um, uh, invited me to uh, to give this presentation. So uh, yeah, what would a what's an Irishman doing in India, huh? So anyway, let me uh, let me proceed here a little bit. So this is just a little bit of the Russell clan. Um, the first picture on the left there is my uh, youngest son, John Russell. You'll be hearing about him a little little later. Um, he ran the uh, Boston Marathon. And uh, so he's uh, and he's engaged. So we'll we'll see what see what happens here in the future. And then just to the just to the right of him is my son Mark, who many of you in the club know. He's a member of the club for years, and he now lives in Guadalajara, Mexico, with his wife and two daughters and two little pictures of our granddaughters. And then there's my beautiful wife on her on her horse there, um, and uh, it's been a a true, a true joy. So, not your ordinary trip. Um, and I prepared this uh, specifically for our, for the club. Um, it was uh, hope it not too disjointed with my mom passing away and all the um, kind of distractions that come with that, uh, and sadness that comes with it, and talking to my brothers and friends and so forth. I just uh, hope. Uh, this uh, PowerPoint presentation and is um, uh, can flow and and you guys can get a, a sense of what has taken place. So life before India, uh, Ted referenced it and uh, and in the wheel it references this. Uh, other than my family and business and and uh, the nonprofits that I've been so involved with, this was basically uh, a main part of my life before India, and uh, we had a great. Um, just, it was just a fabulous time. I wouldn't trade it for anything because of the um, the time I got to spend with those boys. I still get calls from them. They'll call me from different parts of the world and and uh, boys that are in the Air Force. Um, Nellis, what a great uh, time to uh, to have the Wetzel Awards because we had such a wonderful partnership with Nellis Air Force Base. They were, you guys were wonderful and. Uh, there's a number of the boys that, uh, um, after they became Eagle Scouts, they said, "Mr. Russell, I want to, I want to join the United States Air Force," and they did. 
And those calls I get from those boys are uh, are from uh, uh, on the various Air Force bases they're at. So uh, so thank you. Uh, I want to thank Nellis Air Force Base. This is when the F-22 first came to the um, came to Nellis Air Force Base, and that's General Idy there, who's since retired. But uh, what a, that was a great afternoon. This was backpacking down the Perea, 50 miles down the Perea uh, uh, River. It's the longest, deepest, one of the longest, deepest slot canyons in the world, and those boys never forgot this, these trips like this. Um, this is uh, in, the Wyoming, in Wyoming, the Green River Wilderness Area, and we did a pack trip on horseback. Um, this is ice climbing in Alaska on a glacier. Um, you do things like this, and you will not lose the older boys to cars and girls. Trust me. Um, they, uh, they'll put this in uh, number one priority. Um, so they're there's a, there's a group of older boys that uh, that we took to Alaska. Um, got us into boys' life, uh, that, that trip right there. So an unexpected meeting um, that uh, is a pastor on the, on the left there. His name is Pastor Sajanadam, and then my son is on the... Uh, John, who read, just ran to Boston Marathon, is on the uh, right. And um, <clears throat> so I'm, uh, I'm, you know, Mr. Boy Scout leader, and, uh, and I'm in my office early one morning, and I get, a, uh, I get an email, a spam, you know, like a getting a Nigerian email. And uh, I rolled my mouse over the little X to delete it. I said, oh, what the heck, I'll read this one. And I read it. It was from this uh, pastor on the left. Uh, and um, he said, my name is Pastor Sajanadam of India. Your email address was given to me. What can I pray about? And I go, yeah, sure. And the next email will be, you know, he wants a credit card number, right? So uh, anyway, I'm, uh, being the skeptic I am, I fired off an email back to him. Who are you and how did you get my email address? And he... Um, uh, he emailed the next uh, next day, and he told me who he was, and said his mother was uh, was born in a tribal village in India and couldn't have children. And itinerant pastor came through and said, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, if he so chooses, he he can uh, make your barren womb fruitful. And uh, she, in fact, became pregnant, and that was the guy sending me the email. And he said um, he poured a uh, he married a young, uh, a young uh, woman, and uh, they they poured their lives into the slums of India, helping the people in the slums of India. And they prayed for 12 years that God would send them help. And uh, one day, a uh, pastor by the name of John uh, came through that slum area. He handed him my email address and said, "Write to this man; he'll help you." And uh, of course. Uh, when he wrote back and explained that, of course, I didn't believe him. And I said, you know, he's pulling, pulling, trying to pull the wool over my eyes. And I kept querying him probably for two years. Um, but uh, he uh, never changed his story. And he said he had never seen the man before and he had never seen him since. And I had done nothing in India. I could point it out on a map. I could tell you where India was on a map, but that was about it. So uh, uh, my wife and I, we uh, prayed about it and said, you know, maybe we should you know, let's step out, take a risk, and uh, and uh, help him a little bit. And uh, still um, questioning things and still pretty skeptical. And um, he, um, 
So we, uh, we started to do that in the, while all this was going on, my son on the right, and um, was, uh, had, he had become over a period of time very rebellious. And we had done all the tough love, uh, taking the door off his bedroom, you know, take all his privileges away. And we were pretty much uh, wits end. Um, and um, so, uh, so my wife and I, we made a joint decision, uh, number one, that I would uh, step out of scouting, which was a huge decision. And, um, um, and so I could attend, so I could spend more time with my son, attend to my son. And so, um, so I did that. And um, did my son get better or did he get worse? And he got worse. So, uh, so anyway, we, uh, we were in unison on this, and uh, we, we woke up one morning, and we said, you know, unless there's a miracle um, in, uh, in our son's life, uh, we're just not going to have him uh, be disobedient to his parents anymore, and uh, when he comes in tonight, we're going we're gonna to send him right out through the front door of the house and turn him over to the Lord, and it was a very rough day. That morning, I had sent an email to that pastor right there, and I said, uh, this is the day, and he knew all about it because of having a lot of correspondence with him. I said, I'd ask you to please pray. I didn't know if he got that email or not because it's nighttime in India. And um, so that evening, uh, John came in, the, uh, came in the door, and uh, I said, John, your mom and I want to talk to you. And he said, that look, he goes, what now? And I said, I want you to sit down. And I didn't know if he was going to sit down. And, and he did. Um, and my uh, wife um, um, pretty much, uh, um, she had been reading in Proverbs about disobedient kids and totally unplanned. Uh, she just started reading to him uh, out of Proverbs. And my son would have no more uh, sat there 15 minutes. And I have to be very honest, it was crazy. I'm looking right across the dining room table at him. And it was like he's being held down, and uh, so he would have never he would have never sat there uh, um, for 15 minutes. And at hour two and a half, he's still there. And at hour two and a half, I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me, um, and I was looking at him, and something was going on with him. And I stopped everything, and I said, "John, is there anything you want to say?" And he said, "Yes." He said, um, "You know, I can argue with my parents." but I can't argue with the Bible. I am so sorry. And he started to weep. This hard-hearted little kid just started to weep. And of course, we start weeping. And uh, we all gathered together and, uh, and, um, and cried for a while and then collected ourselves. And then I asked my John a little later, I said, John, how would you like to go out of the hay shed and get, um, uh, get the... Um, um, door for your bedroom, and we'll take it down. And he says, just like this, he goes, sure, Dad. I'm going, whoa, where'd that voice come from? And uh, I knew something had happened, and we went out of the hay shed, and I'm standing on a couple bales of hay, pulling his door down, and looking at his face under the bright fluorescent lights, um, he, um, I was shocked. I go, John, are you okay? And he said, yeah, Dad, why? I go, your face is different. And it was. It was, it was kinder. It was uh, brighter. His eyes were brighter. His face was smoother. It was just like, what the heck happened to our son? And for those of you who've known me a long time, I, you know, I pretty much have my feet on the ground. I'm not some flake. And as I'm telling you this, but 
it truly did happen. Two days later, John is, uh, um, and I are having a father-son conversation like we had never had before in the backyard. And he said, Dad, you need to know this. Tomorrow, which would have been a Friday, he said, I had it all planned out to run away and never come back again. So uh, that was a shocker. And then I heard back from the pastor in India, and he said, Brother, I got your email address. I got your email that you sent that morning, nighttime for us. He goes, as soon as I received it, I called everyone up in our church, and we all gathered at our church. This in the slums, this halfway built church with sticks and mortar and rebar sticking out of it. They all gathered at this little church, and they prayed all night long. And when the sun was coming up in India. Uh, and they were just finishing the prayer, is when that transformation took place across the dining room table. So, um, fast forward two months, and I'm upstairs in my house, and John came up, and I said, John, how would, uh, uh, just you and me, we did some Boy Scout stuff together. My son was like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. He was like Dr. Jekyll, the scout troop, Mr. Hyde, uh, with his friends that, that he hung with, and they were some pretty, pretty rough characters. But uh, how would you like to go to India and thank the pastor and his church for praying for you? And uh, he said, same thing. He goes, sure, Dad. I mean, two months earlier, he would have thought I was a psycho. And uh, so one year to the day um, when I received that email, um, uh, John and I walk out of an airport at 2 a.m. in the morning in Hyderabad, India, and, um, um, and we're greeted by 100 people from the slums of India, and they're all crying. They never thought anyone cared about them, and they, uh, uh, and they never thought in their life they'd ever meet anyone that they would spend time with from America. So, uh, so that became, began a journey um, for, uh, for us. And uh, one thing they did ask, they asked, <laughs> they asked if, uh, if my son and I would speak at a little gospel festival, and I go, in India, and I go, no, I don't do gospel festivals. I'm an insurance guy from Vegas with my son. We don't do gospel festivals. And he said, please, and, and so how do you say no? And we said, okay, okay, we will, not knowing anything. And, and uh, we're real nervous about going, by the way. And, and uh, anyway, uh, they asked uh, for us to send our pictures over. So uh, anyway, we're, we're um, driving in... Uh, Hyderabad, and my son goes, Dad, 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 look, look, look out of the window. And that that poster was on the side of a huge building, and it's in Telugu, and it says uh, Great Gospel Meeting. And I'm like, so my son's freaking out. I'm freaking out. And uh, so, uh, so anyway, uh, uh, like John, my son John goes, Dad, I'm not talking. I go, That's okay. You don't have to talk. And I'm. And I'm freaking out inside going, what the heck? So anyway, uh, um, there we were. We were catatonic at this, at this gospel festival. And uh, I mean, truly, I mean, we're going, I'm like, when we got there, no one was there. And I go, thank goodness no one's here. And then all these people start coming down these dirt roads. And not by the hundreds, by the thousands. And uh, so we're both like, you know, in semi-comatose. And this is, just ha- this is just halfway back at this gospel festival. And 
there's another little picture of what was going on. And um, my son said he wasn't going to talk. And I was up trying to figure out what I was going to say. And he taps me on the shoulder and he said, Dad, I'll tell him the part of my disobedience and going to jail and other stuff. And, um, and he did. And it was, their eyes were as big as saucers when he explained uh, what, was, what was happening. And, um, and I didn't, uh, and when I got up, um, I had no idea what I was going to talk about, but someone had given me a little, had given me a little, uh, um, actually a little gospel track, and it's called, it's called Steps to Peace with God. So I, I had it in my pocket, and I just pulled it out, and I read it verbatim with that translator there on the right of him, and, uh, and uh, when you when I got through with it, there were there were hundreds of people coming forward. It was kind of like a miniature Billy Graham deal or something. But there, you know, and I had no idea what was going to happen. And hundreds of people started coming forward uh, and put their trust in uh, Christ. Uh, it was uh, we're humbled. It was amazing. And all these things I'm telling you have absolutely nothing to do with Dan Russell. Has everything to do, to do with God. And this God of this, uh, crea- the creator of this universe, like uh, Jerry Ingle said a couple weeks ago, this God we serve is so huge, and he's uh, uh, has created everything. And so I, I take zero, zero credit for anything. But there was my son, and it was amazing. I have that on, by the way, I have that on video, uh, his talk. It's very short. It's only a couple minutes. I have a couple minute cut out of it, but we're, we don't have time right now. Um, there he was. He went down afterwards, and all the kids just surrounded him. They go, they uh, they wanted to touch him and hold him, and yeah, it was pretty pretty amazing experience for 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 both of us. It but it changed both of our lives. Um, there he is in a little bitty church with some of the kids, and this is where the kids live. Um, yeah, you have no idea. It's just you know you people travel to India and they get the India experience and. Yeah, you you dig around in some of this stuff, you're going to see stuff you, it's it's it boggles the mind, it assaults the mind. Uh, see some of the stuff we've seen. Yeah, there's another little precious little church that John and I went to, and see those windows there. This is right outside the window. That's exactly what is right outside the window. Uh, but uh, this is a this is a church. Uh, my son exact my older son Mark is exactly in the middle there. You see, is with his hands up and. You'll see the this church. Look at the roof of that church. It's just cloth with a bunch of holes in it. But they're some of the happiest people you're, you're going to ever want to meet. Um, a little widow holding my son Mark's cheeks. Um, yeah, I went to a Rotary Club meeting. Um, these guys were super nice guys. Um, and but I do have to tell you this. I, you know, I wasn't even thinking. I brought Pastor Sajanadam with me, and. Um, um, the caste system is still alive and well in India um, because I tried to introduce it, Pastor Sajanadam to these uh, guys and they wouldn't even recognize his existence in the room. They didn't look at him. They, uh, when I tried to introduce him, they kept looking at me and smiling. And, um, and I'm like freaking out. And so is my son. They said, Dad, what's going on in here? And uh, yeah, because, uh, because of the untouchable uh, caste system, and if you're a Christian, you're even kind of underneath that. So these were high caste uh, Hindus, and uh, and they uh, it was a it was not a good experience. Uh, but they were super nice to me, and um, 
Yeah, I don't know if this club would have passed the four-way test. <coughs> anyway, there's Larry Morse over there. He's uh, he's in this picture, and Larry's the Larry's a dear friend, and he is the treasurer of a foundation we created. Um, by the way, on that foundation, I wasn't planning on doing anything. You know, I step out of scouting and and step into India almost the same day. God lays India in my lap, and um, by, based on that story I just shared with you earlier. And, um, and so uh, um, uh, someone picked up after we got back uh, this crazy story that happened in India, and I went to talk to a men's group in Arizona, uh, about 100 guys, business guys, and two guys came up afterward and said, man, I don't know what it is, but I think we're supposed to help you. And I'm going, well, I'm not doing anything. And so he says, well, could you, we just trade emails. And I said, uh, sure. And then the same thing happened. And I talked to a group of men in Colorado, Ohio, Atlanta, and Toronto, Canada. And the same thing kind of happened. And, that, that, and then Larry and I met. And Larry goes, what are you doing? And, uh, and uh, they became the board of directors of a foundation that was created. Totally unplanned. I didn't want it. Um, and but when uh, when God says uh, he wants to put something together, he'll he'll do all the work. So uh, so anyway, Larry is the treasurer of our foundation, and Larry's by the way a former former uh, CFO for Flying Tigers that merged with Federal Express years ago. So Larry lives out in Boulder City. But anyway, we met this powerful political leader, very powerful. He's like a county commissioner. Uh, with millions of people underneath him. To get into his office, as Larry will tell you, we had to go through a series of guards with machine guns. And uh, and he just loved us because we were from Las Vegas. Loved Las Vegas. He doesn't speak any English, but loves Las Vegas. So we're his buddy, and he, he was so happy we we're from Las Vegas that he put an article in this uh, Telugu newspaper, has a millions of millions of people circulation and so we became an instant rock star uh we walk into our hotel and the people in the hotel had, had seen this article and and it really helped uh what we're doing over there too because there is a lot of troubles hot spots in india and a lot a lot of persecution that you won't read about in uh, mainstream uh, media um and uh, so anyway that really helped that political leader became a good friend of of uh, our friends over in in India, um, fast food in India. This was on the uh, went to the state of Odisha, and we stopped and got a little snack at this guy's fast food place. But anyway, so just take a big risk at this stuff. But it was all it was all very tasty. Yeah, you know how many can fit in a taxi? I don't know. I don't know how many are in that taxi, but at least a hundred. So I don't know. So yeah. There's good stuff. Um, there was a, a, a pastor and his daughter went on a motorcycle, and they got they got um, uh, run over uh, by a, a truck, and uh, she had to, had to have her leg removed. And so, you know, they have no money. These pastors have no money, and so some uh, business guys we got together and we paid for her artificial leg. And then uh, when Larry Morris and I were were in uh, India in 2012, this girl walks up with her dad. And I thought, boy, she looked vaguely familiar, and this was the same girl. So that was really an emotional meeting. Um, bicycles. Uh, never in her lifetime can these poor slum pastors afford a bicycle. Yeah, never. They would never be able to afford a bicycle. So one of my one of my buddies here in uh, in Las Vegas said, Dan, let's uh, 
Let's get those guys that are in the trenches that know where all the orphans and widows are, and let's get them some bicycles. And so this was huge. Um, so arrival uh, in India, this is just, what, seven, eight months ago, um, and you'll see uh, Barbara Kalb and uh, my good friend Jonathan Kaler, myself there. And uh, so, uh, yeah, they, they, they'll lay a lot of garlands on you, that's for sure. Yeah, we had, they had to keep taking them off and put more on. And uh, garlands are pretty pretty darn inexpensive in India, uh, but that's where we arrive. And when it says minus two, um, there were supposed to be two other people with us, and uh, it was supposed to be my brother-in-law, Chip Hinderleiter, and uh, my wife, Jane, who was going to go over to India for the first time. But God had other plans, and the day before we were to leave, uh, I get a phone call from at the house. I was upstairs and right out at our Outside at our barn, my wife's crying on the phone, said, Dan, my horse stomped me. I think my leg is broken. So I ran downstairs out to the barn, and sure enough, she's laying on the ground, and her uh, her horse had crushed her leg. And we, So this is the day before we were leaving, and and um, and so we rushed her to the emergency ward, and, and uh, that took most of the day. And, and Jane said, no, I still want you to go. I said, you want me to go? And she said, you still have to go. And so we coordinate, moved upstairs, downstairs, and we coordinated it all with her friends and church friends and stuff and to take good care of Jane. And then Barbara Kalb and Jonathan and I uh, left uh, that morning for, uh, for India. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, we were driving down the road, and I had to stop. Stop! And that was actually on a side street in, in, in this you know, kind of slum area of, of India. And I'm like, What? So like, so anyway, that just that just totally cracked me up. Uh, only in India, right? Only in India. Yeah, well, this is the women from, and I have so many photos, and I don't have the time to to show them, of course. But this are some sweet and precious women from the Banjara tribe uh, in India, and you'll see Barbara Kalb right in the direct center, and they they gave her uh, uh, an outfit. Um, yeah, and uh, these uh, these are some of the kids. Uh, and I love it. It fits right into the uh, Las Vegas Rotary Club mission, teaching youth to succeed through literacy education and life skills development. And uh, Barbara contacted me some years ago, and was uh, and and Jane, you know, together um, they have a real heart for these kids. And uh, these are kids all from the slum areas. These kids have no chance. And uh, they uh, poor nutrition. They'll never get educated because there's no money. It costs to have education uh, in India in, the, in these areas, and so they're all from the slums. So through through Barbara um, and her involvement over the years, these kids have great teachers now. They're being taught in a church right here, um, and great teachers and school supplies and uh, and food and and clothing. Clothing. So, um, so anyway, they are just uh, so incredibly grateful. And uh, um, well, this is a short little song. You can hear them singing this song. So they learn this song in English. They don't speak English. They speak Telugu. So uh, anyway, this was just sent. It was just sent. So 
Uh, they're really cute kids, gosh. And they, when we were over there, they learned some other songs that were real precious. So this is where they live. That uh, Where that church is is right around the corner from what I'm looking at right now. So, uh, you know, if you're walking around, you don't understand all this. This is a, we gave some sewing machines out to some widows. Um, that widow right there in the center, her husband died of AIDS, and she's HIV positive with two young kids. This widow would change her life. The widows in India will never remarry, and they're, um, unfortunately, they're horribly abused. Um, this is Barbara praying with some of the widows. This is what my son did for the widows when he ran to Boston Marathon. That's, a, that's one of the widows, a young widow. Uh, she'll never be remarried. That's crazy. I mean, so it's just a cultural thing. Yeah, all-night prayer. Um, they have all-night prayer. This is just last week, and they prayed. They prayed for a lot of people in this club. Many of you know Bruce Quinn. When his daughter died uh, um, six years ago, they were praying for the family for months and months. They are, they'll drive uh, one to 200 kilometers uh, on a bus, an Indian bus to get to all night prayer from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. and pray all night long. Okay, okay, so goodbye to the land of the rising sun. Hello to the United States and slag day today. I'm so grateful uh, to, uh, to be in the United States, you know, after being in India. But boy, I'll tell you, a piece of my heart is in India. And uh, this uh, cute photo, I just threw this. They're so grateful. They're so grateful. And you know what? I'm grateful for this club all the years I've been in it. You guys have been a, a huge blessing. And, and, uh, and I mean that. The friendships I've gained in this club over the years have been, are priceless, are priceless. So I just uh, uh, hope this, uh, uh, this talk uh, blessed you and encouraged you. And again, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much. Let me say one of the things that you don't see when you are president is all the all the requests members bring to you and ask of you. So Dan, I don't know, months ago, asked me to write this specific letter to a Rotary Club in India, and I said, "Why do you want a letter?" And he said, it's, "Well, it's very formal, and you have to sign it. You cannot just print it." And you wanted Dan wanted some banners, and I said, "Yeah, that's fine." And so I wrote this letter. I don't even know what I wrote. Um, but I just said, he's a good guy. He's, he's fine. And I still didn't understand. But then Dan said, hey, my face is pretty big there. I got posters I can show you. So I said, okay, Dan, that's, that does it for me. So, um, so I didn't know all that. But I said, Dan, when you come back, I think you should share um, what you do over there. Because I think it's pretty interesting people, for people in this club to see what Rotary Clubs and what you do over there in India. So... Thank you for, for your speech today, Dan. And as uh, you know, we will present a hot meal to a homeless vet in your name. Thanks. Thank you, guys. And then, as I always say, say it with me. Rotary is like tennis. The one who serves best usually wins. Now go forth and make a difference. Thank you for joining us for another wonderful meeting of the Rotary Club of Las Vegas. 
If you're interested in membership or want to know more about our upcoming projects and speakers, please visit lasvegasrotary.com for more information. Now go forth and make a difference.